it's obvious that when these two team up, the result is magical. This week in tennis. And we brought this dynamic duo together once again. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. My name's Phil Nasons. His name is Craig Doyle. And we're here to talk Australian Open Tennis. What's happening, Craig? How are you doing, Phil? Seems like a while since we've been here. In fact, I think it was the Open last year that we did this. It, it actually was. And, um, you know, we came back to do a test run and see how things would go. Things went great. And here we are in 2020. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you as well. I'm, I must say the uh, new audio equipment you've got, it is sounding excellent. Yeah, it seems like it. You know what? We had a bad connection when we first tried today. But now I think everything is 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 coming along very well. Craig, I'm looking at this tournament, and I'm reading about all these things that are going on away from the court. And I'm not as excited about the Australian Open as I usually am. I mean, you got these fires, and you've got half the country displaced. And you've got all this drama off the court. And none of it is good for tennis at all, is it? Yeah, it, it, it's not. I mean, the our heart goes out to the people of Australia. These wildfires, they're not something that's just been there a couple of days. You know, this is weeks, uh, possibly months now that these have been raging on. And we're now starting to see the devastating effect of the, the fires hitting the cities. The um, air quality is decreasing massively. Uh, even just this morning, um, they, they had to call off some of the qualifying events for the Australian Open due to the air quality after going out yesterday, and several players have actually retired because they were struggling to breathe, um, such as the difficulty of the conditions in the city at the minute. So there's a lot happening around this tournament, and it's it's really not good news. It's not good news. You know, the Australian Open is one of those tournaments that have never really been flexible. If you remember, they wanted to move the tournament because of the extreme heat in January, but they wouldn't do it. And, uh, you know, obviously they didn't. these fires are a different thing. But, uh, man, it's just hard to focus and concentrate on tennis when you see all all this devastation around one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Uh, I love Australia. I love the Australian people. I think they feel good about the old Flash. I think... And, and but when I read some of this gossip around there, it looks like the National Enquirer. It looks like I'm standing in the supermarket, waiting to pay my, have them ring up my food, and I got all these rag mags around me when I'm looking at some of this stuff re- in regards with these tennis kids. Stefano Sisipas, someone I'm very familiar with. Him and his father got into it. You know, uh, he kind of swung the racket a couple of times and nicked his old man. Even Stefano's mom gave him hell. Weird, weird, weird start to this tournament, man. Weird start to this fortnight. Yeah, it is, you know. And I think these days with the uh, social media and all these websites and everyone fishing for every little bit of news and all these video sites, you know, any little thing that happens gets massively blown up. You know, there's a huge story comes out of it. it. It hits all of these Twitter Instagram, YouTube, you, you see everything. The headlines are on all the websites. Everyone's trying to get a story for free. Um, some of these things, you know, they're, they're way blown out of proportion these days. There would be things that happened in the past, and we would just like we'd either not hear about them because we wouldn't see the tournament, or uh, they just wouldn't make news. There'd be, there'd be bigger things happening in the world. But these days, these are the sort of things people love to read, so they take a, a lot of the headlines. The Twittiots are running wild. That's all I can say about it. The Twittiots are running wild. But let's take a look at the men. Now, the draw is not out. But that's never stopped us from uh, trying to pick winners around here. And, you know, we've done pretty well over the years. Um, you know, when I look again at this tournament, it's one of the reasons I semi-retired, right, Craig? I semi-retired. And I got to get this plug in real quick. If you would like to train with me during the month of July and you're in the New York area, preferably upstate where I'll be, contact Brookwood Camps. Just Google them, go to their website, tell them that you want to sign up with The Flash, Phil Nasons. Uh, we have th- I have three one-week academies there, 
during the month of July. Uh, I, t- I don't have the dates in front of me, but if you contact Brookwood Camps, tell them you heard about it on This Week in Tennis. Maybe they'll give you a good deal. At the end of the day, you're going to be coached. That's the key. You're going to be coached, something that a lot of people don't like to do. But if you want to be coached and you want to possibly have a future in tennis, I'll be in upstate New York at Brookwood Camps for the month of July, and I would love to meet you, love to work with you, love to get to know you, and love to help you on your journey as a tennis player and as a human being. So, Craig, now that we got that out of the way, uh, (laughs) um, Novak Djokovic, he is the overwhelming favorite in this event. From a betting standpoint, at plus 140 to win, you know what? You're going to make a few bob. That's all. But from a betting standpoint in the first three or four rounds, you more than likely are going to have to spend a lot of money to make very little. And I suggest fading Novak Djokovic at least until the semifinals. Yeah, there's no value in Novak Djokovic in the early rounds. Um, He's an absolute massive favorite to win here. He's got the most complete game out of anyone on the tour. Um, That includes Nadal and Federer. Um, his record here is unbelievable. He loves the courts. He probably will see a lot of favorable conditions. He's going to play a lot of matches at night because there's uh, a big Serbian audience down there in Australia. A lot of Serbian people come out to support him. They'll watch him on TV. He'll get a big audience for the TV networks. So it's difficult to see beyond this guy getting to at least the semifinal. And someone would have to put in a huge performance to take him out. And he's shown over the last 12 months in particular that he's got the ability to win when he's not the best player on the court. I've seen him win against Roger Federer at Wimbledon. And he won the other day against Daniel Medvedev. Um, Both times you would have said the other guy was dominating him. But Novak Djokovic won the match. And... There's not many players like that that play so big on the big points so fearlessly with such a high success ratio. So it's little wonder that they're not going to give you uh, much in the way of betting on this guy in the early rounds. If you're going to put this guy in a bet, you're going to have to do some sort of accumulator-type bet where you bet on three or four different matches. Um, you could put Djokovic in that with a, with a few other matches, maybe make some money, but you're not going to get a single match bet on Novak Djokovic, that's for sure. Well, you will, but you're going to... It's it's high risk and low reward. I mean, can you imagine? He'll be minus 600 in his first round. That's too much money to put up. That's why I kind of leave him alone. Now, I don't mind laying... I don't mind taking the plus 140, though, for him to win. He is the overwhelming favorite. But another guy that has a very good chance, too is Rafael Nadal at plus 480 to win this event. Now, where do you see Rafael Nadal? Obviously, I see him at least semis, Craig. Yeah, semis is probably about as far as I would go. He played Djokovic in the ATP Cup in Sydney at the weekend, and it wasn't even close. Um, Djokovic just has a sort of mastery on these hard courts out here. The, the conditions are a bit more favorable to him than they are to what Nadal wants to do. Um, but he's solid. You know, we've seen Rafael Nadal for, for well over a decade now. We know what he's capable of. We know pretty much that his strengths on clay. Um, this early part of the season, if he wins something here, if he, if he gets to a final, that's a bonus for him. He is the world's number one player, and again, you're not going to see very good money on him in the first week, so you may want to just stay away from him in the first week, but coming to the second week, there'll be tougher matches for him, and uh, you know he's, he's got a big target on his chest. He's the, the world number one. He uh, has quite a few people who would love that scalp for taking out the, the top player in the game at the minute, so I think it's going to be a difficult tournament for him. He's, he's not looked like he's in the best form at the start of the year. He's, he already lost not just to Djokovic last week, but to um, David Goffin. So it, it's going to be a big tournament for Nadal, and one where I think like semifinals would be a, a good result for him. Yeah, Goffin cleaned his clock. 
Um, yeah, you know, Novak Djokovic displays the same dominance that Andre Agassi did in Australia. Remember Agassi? He went on a run there. It was incredible. I think it was like 36 and 2 or something at one point. It's just the ball bounces and sets up so nice for him. He doesn't have to expend a lot of energy. But for a guy like Nadal who grinds and slides on that rubber, man, that's no fun for him. I mean, obviously he's won that event. But he's not. He's going to have a tough time. If he gets into the second week and he gets up against a guy like Nick Kyrgios or maybe the next guy we'll talk about, Daniel, Daniel Medvedev, or maybe even a Dominique theme, they could give him a hard time. But I, I wouldn't, I don't think he's going to win. So I'm probably not going to play him to win this event. I hope that he gets to the second week, so maybe there's some value there because there's not much value with a guy like Rafael Nadal. But Daniel Medvedev at plus 900 is very intriguing because unlike a lot of these young guys, he doesn't seem to be afraid of the big occasion, and he's not afraid of them, them being Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. Yeah, man, how close was that guy to winning the U.S. Open? That right, huh? some story if he'd have come back to win that. I thought he was going to, Craig. He's got such a big game, hasn't he? It's all there, you know. He's able to dominate points. He's able to, to turn the tides on people. I think it's a matter of time until this guy uh, asserts himself as the, the next sort of top guy coming through. You know, he's only 23 years old. Um, he played a lot of tournaments last year. And I think he's going to slow it down a little bit this year. The people managing him, you know, they're, they're smart people. They're going to say to him, you don't need to play 24, 25 tournaments. You could bring that down. You could play, you know, 18 tournaments, 19 tournaments a year. Save a little bit of energy for the big ones because I think they recognize that this kid's got it. He, he knows how to play over five sets. He's got a lot of energy in the tank and he's got that big game where... He could actually live with guys like Novak Djokovic. You know, we, we talk about um, the length of rally being important, and, and most points are won in, in rallies uh, less than four to six shots. But right. this guy, Medvedev, you know, the one thing guys like Nadal Djokovic have had over the years is been able to grind guys down and play 20-shot rallies and then win it. Uh, really, you know, so destructive when you lose a rally like that. This guy, right. Medvedev, he can hang in. He, he can go 18, 20, 30 shots in a rally and beat someone like Djokovic and Nadal regularly. So there's a, a lot of stuff coming with this kid. I think it's a matter of when, not if. And I think it will be this year. I don't think it's going to be here because the court's a little bit more favorable to Djokovic here. But I think when we get to the end of the year, we come to the Open again. I think we're really going to be talking about this guy as being one of the, the real favorites for the Open later in the year. Yeah, you catch Medvedev on a slick hard court like a U.S. Open and look out. You know what I'm most impressed with Medvedev, though, is his mental toughness. He doesn't rattle easy. You know, some of these guys fall apart if the clouds show up, you know. Um, not this kid. You know, and you said something very you, – you made a great point. His people are handling him the right way. You don't hear about him playing 100 exhibitions – and you don't hear about him all doing all these things because he's only doing one thing. And that's training to win a major. And he ain't playing. You know, a lot of these guys are out there for the cash, and I don't blame them. It's a great sacrifice to be a professional tennis player. You sacrifice a lot. This kid has too. And let me say this. I agree with you. He's going to get one this year. I don't know which one, but he's going to get one. It probably won't be this one. But if he doesn't make it to the semis of this event, I would be very, very surprised because that kid is the complete package, much like Roger Federer used to be the complete package. At 1,200, plus 1,200, Craig, do you throw a few bobs on the old guy to win one? Oh, that's difficult. You know, I think I know what Roger Federer's objectives are for this year, and it's not going to be <laughs> this tournament. You know, Probably not, he, no. He's not looking at a long run on a hard court. Um, he'll be looking to be as efficient as possible in the early rounds. You know, you can see this guy winning matches early on. Um, 
he, he's got to be winning them three sets to love. Yes. Um, if, if he's getting burned a five setter early on, he's he's toast. He, he'll know that. Yeah, you know, he's a smart guy. He's been around for so long. Um, I think he can sling it with the best of them on the grass at Wimbledon. I, you know, I, I don't see an issue there. I think, you know, you saw how close he went last year. He was actually the better player against Djokovic in that final. He just somehow didn't manage to win it. Um, that's probably going to be where his focus is this season. You know, he's going to play a few events and then Wimbledon will be his focus. But there's a little matter of this small tournament in Japan after Wimbledon. Um, right. Olympic Games. And he's never won... Um, a gold medal. He's got a silver one from uh, from London, but he's never won a gold medal. And you know, he might just be thinking in the back of his mind this year. That's something I've never done in tennis. I, I've won everything else. How about let's see if I can get that gold medal? So I, I think like the start of this year, I think he's going to take it pretty easy. He's going to ease himself into the season, and he'll explode to life in the mid season. And you know, how many years has this guy got left? Could this be his last year? I don't know. That, that's a, only a question that he can answer. But uh, for this tournament, yeah, you know, if he makes the semifinals, it'd be incredible. Um, I, I see him making at least the quarterfinals because he's that good. Um, you know, he'll keep the points short. He'll, he'll make people work. Like, nobody hits the ball like he does. He can do things with that forehand that other people could only dream off. But uh, quarterfinals for me would be a good tournament for him. Uh, you know, he, he'll want to win it. But um, quarterfinals, I think, is probably where I would be betting uh, on his result. You know, you brought up a good point. It's something I want to bring up. Roger Federer is going to be looking to punch guys out early. You're not going to get a good price on him in his singles matches in the first two or three rounds. I don't care who he plays. But you might be able to play the under, the under games, under game score, the total game score, go under. Because he's going to be looking to drop guys 6-1, love He's going to be looking to get in there under 24 games. He does not want to extend himself or overextend himself at all. And he's one of the few players on the tour that can actually go out there and smack you like that. So that's something to keep in mind when you're betting on Roger Federer. But I agree with you, Craig. I don't think that he's interested at all. He's going to show up. He's going to try. But he's thinking about the Olympics. He's thinking about Japan. He's thinking about Wimbledon. You know, that's his house, and he likes to win there. But he wants that gold medal. I think that's the only reason that he's still on the court. And if he wins that gold medal, you're going to see the biggest send-off that you've ever seen for a tennis player at the U.S. Open. Roger Federer is going to retire. Mark my words. Stefanos, oh, I'm sorry. Let's go here. Daniil Medvedev. Oh, we already did Medvedev. I'm sorry. Stefanos Sisipas. We talked about him before. Plus 1,200 to win this event. Does he win this event? For me, no. I mean, he's like one of those naturally gifted youngsters. He is the youngest player in the top 10. In fact, he's almost the youngest player in the top 20. I think maybe Shapovalov is younger. But, uh, you know, he's one of these exciting players that's uh, up and coming. He's really shown over the last year that he could take it to the big guys. He can beat a Nadal, a Djokovic, a Federer. He's got that game there. It's really a case of whether he can put all the pieces together at the same time consistently. And that's, you know, that's something a lot of the young guys have an issue with. You know, I'm sure we'll touch on Alexander Zverev as well. Similar thing. It's just getting all those components of his game firing one day and then coming out the next day and doing the same thing. And, and it's a difficult thing for guys like Sissipas because you got to beat Nadal. And you got to be Djokovic if you're going to win it, or at le- you know at, at least two of these three guys. Federer's in there as well. Plus, you've now got guys like Medvedev, and then you've got a lot of young competitors in there as well. So, for him, I think like if he got to the semi-final, what a tournament that would be. We'd be talking about that for a long time. I mean, I, he would get the backing of the, the crowd because he's got that charisma, he's got that popularity. There's a, a big Greek support behind him. Um, that's going to push him on, but. Um, I don't think, you know, for me, I think you'll get to the quarterfinals, and I think that'll be a real good tournament. But if you got to the semifinals, yeah, I think people would stand up and take notice. Well, I think they should already be. You know, he did win the ATP final. He has beaten all these guys. But the problem, again, is consistency. 
Um, you know, when he's aggressive, he's hard to beat. Uh, the problem is, is he doesn't get a, he, you, if you're going to take Stefano Sisipas out in a major, and I know he's a really young kid. He's only had a very limited amount of exposure to majors, but you're going to get him early. You know, we've seen him go out early in other events. And the reason, because his head's not in there, um, he doesn't get aggressive. He's not going to the net. He's got to take the twine, you know, just like that American a long time ago taught him. You got to take that net. You got to own it. Forget about the, the how big they hit. Get them. You're six foot nine, for God's sakes. Do something. But at the end of the day, I don't think he's going to win this event this year. He will have a huge support base. The Greek fans will be there just like they did. They turned up when Marcos Bagdadis used to play, if you remember. I mean, he, he was half the damn crowd was on his side. And they used to get uh, warnings because they thought they were at a soccer match. They didn't know how to behave. He had to get up on the microphone and say, hey, guys, come on. You're going to cost me this match. At the end of the day, I don't see him winning this tournament. I'm not surprised at all if he gets to the semis. I, I think that there's only a few players could stand in his way of reaching that level. But again, I think he could also get bounced early. So you want to pay attention, and you want to pay attention to the head-to-heads when you're seeing these early-round matches, especially with a guy like Sisipas who could lose early. I mean, that's something that you have to get in there and do. Now, Dominique Thiem. Dominique Team, plus 2,300 to win this event, Greg. I like this kid's game, but I'm not sure this is the event for him. No, for me, this guy's a clay court player. Um, right. He kind of, it, it's similar, we used to go on about David Ferrer. David Ferrer was always a good bet in the clay court, but when you come off the clay, you didn't want to touch this guy because you didn't know what he's going to do. Um, and Dominic Team has a bit of that about him. Like he's gradually improving on the hard courts. And I think like over the last few years, he's gotten a lot, lot better on hard court, but I don't see him in the same bracket as a Medvedev or a Tsitsipas or a Zverev. I see him as sort of just below that bracket. You know, he's still probably a top 10 guy on a hard court, but it's not going to be his preference. And he's not going to be, a guy that I put in the brackets to win this. Like, if he got to the semifinals, I, it would blow my mind. Um, but, you know, I, I just see this guy, he might get to the quarterfinals. That's probably a good result for him. More likely for me, he'll get to the fourth round and he could come up against someone with a bit more experience or a bit of, a bit of craft that he finds difficult to deal with on the hard court. A, a guy that he'd probably regularly take out on a clay court quite easily. And uh, he could come unstuck. So for me, this guy, probably about the fourth round is my expectation. But if he gets to that through that quarterfinal stage and he's got a good jaw, that's when you start to take notice of this guy if you're going to have a bet on him. Well, what I, I guess what I'm looking at with him, I'm looking at Roland Garros. I'm looking at the clay court season. If I'm going to profit off Dominic, it's going to be then. I, I, I think he's risky. At any in any round he could go on these in, on these hard courts, it's just not in him yet, and that's okay. But he could also take out a couple of people too. So you want to kind of pay attention again to these draws, and, and I can't stress enough: leave these matches alone. If the favorite is minus two hundred or more, leave it alone. Walk away. There's two hundred matches in the first three days. You can go make your dough. But don't take these outrageous risks with some of these players because you don't know anything about them. This is the hardest tournament there is, for me anyway, to handicap Craig because we don't know who's hurt, who gives a crap, who broke up with his girlfriend. We know nothing because a lot of the coaches don't travel there because it's so expensive to go. You just don't hear anything about their injuries. You don't know if that match they won the other day was a fluke or was it hey, this thing he was working on all last year is finally there. You know what I mean? Yeah, start of the season. You know, we don't know. It's It takes a few events to get a real feel for the tour. I mean, I, I usually wait until like Indian Wells, Miami, before I'm, I'm right. comfortable with what I'm putting on for a bet. Right. Um, you could come to this tournament and... You know, someone could come right out of left field 
from way down the rankings and, and have a, an incredible tournament and then have an incredible year off the back of it, whereas you could be looking at someone in the top 10 at the minute and uh, they could go out in the second or third round and have a you know shocking year from the back of it. You know they've got some sort of injury. You know we, we saw Andy Murray uh, several years back. He came here world number one. He had an injury that wasn't really mentioned until he uh, he lost to I think it was uh, Alexander Zverev's brother in the right. fourth round, and, and right, nothing was really that. made of it. And then he, you know you pretty much never saw Murray again after that because he was injured. So, yeah, you're right. There's not a lot of form. There's not a lot of injury detail ahead of this tournament. So you've got to be careful. You know, you don't want to be slinging big money down in the first week on guys not knowing whether they're fully fit or not. Uh, sometimes I think, like, you, you, we, we talk about uh, guys like Djokovic and Nadal not, not putting a bet on these guys at the minute. Uh, if you're going to put a bet on these guys to win, you, you maybe don't want to put a big money bet on because you want to see how these guys start uh, in the first week. I mean, I, I saw Nadal last week at the ATP Cup. He lost two matches to Djokovic and David Goffin, uh, right? Goffin, as we, yeah, as yeah, we mentioned, yeah. you know, is, is this guy Nadal fit? Is he still uh, halfway through his training block? You know, did did he just decide to start his training block late so he would just use the ATP Cup as like a a warm-up session, you don't know. You don't know. You know, he might come out firing in the first round of the Stirling Open, and it might be a completely different player. So, uh, yeah, you got to be a little bit careful going into the first week of this, you know, first real event of the year. And the other thing that you want to take into consideration, you know, in America, there's a lot of a lot more sports betters because it's becoming more and more legal. And I think it's like in 13 states now where it used to only be in Nevada. And a lot of these folks don't really understand what they're doing. I'm going to give you some a tip tonight. And this is a serious one, a real serious one. And that is don't go on anything that you saw at the beginning of this season. A lot of those events are actually exhibitions. Um, guys don't really try hard in exhibitions. Maybe some of them do, but the majority don't they're only looking to get a little bit of a hit get going you know they've been off too you know or they've been playing exhibitions it's a new season for them and the guys like Rafael Nadal and Federer well Djokovic maybe not but Federer and Nadal they're good at pacing themselves if they don't win this event they're not going to cry over it it is what it is they know what they do so pay attention to the past results from a year ago when you're looking at head-to-heads. Don't pay any attention to Rafael Nadal losing to David Goffin because I guarantee you, if they play against each other in a semifinal, Nadal will smoke them. Absolutely, and just to follow up on that, when you are looking at the head-to-heads, like on the uh, ATP website or, or right. whatever, Pay attention to the court that the guys played on previously. You know, clay court's completely different to hard. Right, right, right. You know, it, it, it sounds silly, you know, you and I talking about that. We're laughing about it. But, you know, guys coming in here having a bet for the first time, you got to understand that it's like, you know, there's, there's very different games on different courts. And uh, you want to have a look at the guys' hard court records for this tournament. Right. And surface is not, not all hard courts are the same either. You know, this is one of the most unique around. But uh, I remember, not to bring this up, this guy told me he was going to take John Isner at the French Open on a prop bet over 27 aces. I said, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> he said, he's got a big serve. I saw him do that at Wimbledon. I said, have you ever seen a clay court match? There's a reason he's never won it. There's a reason he doesn't get far. There's a reason Pete Sampras never won it. There's a reason that John McEnroe didn't win it. Guys that rely on their serve don't usually win that event. So it is what it is. Now, Nick Kyrgios. Now, here's a guy who, you know, the bad boy of tennis, so to speak. Greek boy, local kid. Donated. He put together a great event, raised a lot of money for his uh, fellow countrymen who were who had their lives completely turned upside down because of those fires and he's at plus 3000 to win this thing most people have written him off that would not be wise 
No, I think Nick's ranking uh, masks quite a lot of his ability. Um, Nick, <laughs> a lot. Nick, Nick's rankings, Nick's ranking because you know he tends to only turn up when Nick feels like turning up. Right. Um, and he's got the ability to do that. You know, if you want to call him a maverick, yeah, you can call him a maverick. He's one of those guys that he doesn't have a coach. He's going to do it his way. And he's, you know, for for me, he's a lot like a new age version of Joe Wilfred Songa. And I think we've spoken about Songa quite a lot over the years on this yes, show. Yes, we have. <laughs> I mean, you, you want to throw out the phrase? Oh, my God. Ten cent head, million dollar game. Yeah, that's the one. You know, Nick's quite similar. You know, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, let me get in trouble. Why not? It's all good, dude. <laughs> Nick's got that combustible personality. You know, you can easily get distracted, and you could easily get bored or or whatnot. And then if he gets bored, he'll start playing trick shots through the legs and uh, behind the back, or right. left-handed, or you know, something. You never know with him. Underarm serve. You know, he's got all of these things, and the crowd loves all that. And down there in Australia, they're going to be right behind him. They're you know showman's thing and he's going to be on the uh the big time he'll be on the night games for the, the tv and stuff because you know he's box office people have said that he is box office you gotta watch this guy you don't want to, you don't know don't know what this guy's gonna do next but uh it's one of those that like he's actually better in songa because he's got like uh he's got more backhand than songa ever had like he just put the ball in songa's backhand he couldn't really do a lot with it but um curious is actually dangerous on both sides got a big serve he can he can be absolutely unplayable when he wants to be but he's got to be focused he's got to find the motivation um i think he's had a few falling outs with nadal and djokovic recently and i think he's gonna have to call on that motivation he's gonna you know really have to want to beat these guys real bad because when nick wants to win he's very difficult to stop but the question is, will he get as far as a quarterfinal or a semifinal where he's going to play these top guys? Because he could easily get bored in one of the other rounds, totally self-destruct and end up out of the tournament. So, you know, uh, Nick, you, you, you couldn't go and put money on Nick today to win it. You'd have to see this draw and kind of hope that he's got a, a draw where he's not going to be too bored with it and end up going out to someone as a major shock. You know, that's just it. And, it, and that boredom can come and go in the middle of a game. Not, I'm not talking about a, just a set from one set to the other. I'm talking from game to game. You never know. But I remember watching him in juniors, dude, and, and he beat this kid left-handed, and, and I was just dying. I was freaking rolling because he is a showman. He loves the show, but unfortunately sometimes he becomes the show, and that isn't good. It doesn't sit well with Rafael Nadal or a Roger Federer or a Novak Djokovic. They don't like him much. And that's okay because he doesn't like them either. So it is what it is. But if you give me an opportunity to see Nick Kyrgios play against a Federer or Nadal or even a Djokovic in the semifinals in Rod Laver Arena with that heavy Aussie crowd, they're all going to be behind him. And he'll take one of them out. He won't self-destruct then. No, I mean, I think he'd be in his element. You know, that's kind of what he, he files himself up for, for the big matches on the big courts. You know, if these grand slams, if, if it was just eight players and he was playing against the, t- the top seven guys, I'd f- fancy Nick Kyrgios to come away and win this. But uh, unfortunately, it, it's kind of more a marathon than a sprint. You know, you got to get there first. And I, I'm just not too sure that with his temperament and he will last long enough to get to the the big stage where it's uh going to be the big matches yeah and he's definitely not a marathon runner that's for sure okay we've got one more favorite if you will dennis shapovalov plus four thousand he's probably what the second youngest guy in the top 25 i think he's just what 19 does does shoppy have a chance uh, not for me. Um, no, I think he's still just a, a little bit um, too young. Doesn't quite have the experience. I mean, I quite like watching this guy. He's got uh, got a big game um, about him. He's going to be one of those guys. I think that like you're going to watch him over the next two three years and see how he develops. Uh, how does he mature? 
Um, I've seen bits and pieces of him over the years, and you know he's done real well to elevate himself up. I think he's at 13 or something in the rankings at the minute. Right. Um, he's not far off that top 10, and I think like a guy like Shapovalov this season, he wants to push himself into the top 10. He's going to ask himself the question, can he get into the top 8? Um, can he put himself on the fringes of where those top players are? Um, at his age, if he can get there, I mean, that would be incredible. You know, that puts him up there with Sivsipas, Zverev, uh, Medvedev, all these guys who are not even 25 yet. Um, that, that would really be incredible for him, and that's got to be his aim for the season. But uh, to talk about him as, as winning the Australian Open, you know, like he put that guy on a court with Novak Djokovic, yeah, he might give Novak Djokovic a good game when it's an, an ATP Cup or if it's uh, you know a Masters that Djokovic isn't really that interested in winning uh, best of three sets but when you go best of five sets we're, we're talking big time tennis here where the, the big the big boys come to play they'll take apart a Shapovalov quite easy um, you know they'll, they'll find ways to deconstruct him really really quickly uh, I wouldn't fancy him against any other top sort of five or six players at this tournament. I, I really do think that he's a, a real outside shot if you want to go on that. Yeah, but you know what you're going to get? If he makes it to the third or fourth round, you're going to get a good price for him. And if you, if you look at that draw and you think he can beat him, then you can pull a trigger. And that's what he's good at there. But I think he can be intimidated a little bit. You can kind of see it. He's just not ready yet. But he's got the game, and, and that's something that we'll keep an eye on in the years to come. Is there anybody else you want to talk about before we slide on over to the ladies' side of this thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's another really young Canadian down there, um, Felix Auger, alias Simi. Yes. Um, yeah, that, he's another guy in the Shapovalov category. He's one to watch. You know, in the early rounds, you might want to put a little bit of money on that guy. He, he's got a good game. Um the other uh, is a Russian fella, uh, Karen Kachanov. I quite like this young man. He's only 23. Another one with a, you know, pretty interesting game. He's one that should make it to the second week. He should be in the the top sort of 16. So you're looking for this guy to get at least into round four. He, he he's going to be interesting. And then there's a few of the old old timer players in there as well. You know that I I quite like the look of. Um, just throwing a few names out there, Martin Chilich. If mm -hmm. he's fit and going, he's always, you know, quite a difficult guy to beat. Um, all of these Spanish guys are going to give you a good game. Uh, Carino Busta, right. um, Bautista, good, these kind of guys. You know, they're all going to be good value in the first week. You, you should get, you know, much better odds on these guys, much better prices on these guys than you're going to get on the, the, the top players out there. Um, certainly, like, Gael Monfils, this guy should make it to the second week quite easily. Um, you know, should get a second, third round. You, you might get good price on that guy. So check out who's playing. Have a look. See, uh, see what the price is because uh, you might get a little bit of value there. Well, I think so too. Um, the only one that I think that I like a lot, there's Francis Tiafo. Is he, he's healthy, I think. And, and he might be all right. He's an American kid. He's the only one that's worth it. Even speaking of, um, Alexander Zverev, uh, early rounds. Um, I wouldn't trust him past the quarterfinals because he's falling apart. He crumbles like a cookie because he plays so many damn matches. But he, it is fresh. You know, he hasn't probably played that many exhibitions yet. I didn't see Federer playing too many, and he usually carries Rogers' bags at those things. And they broke some kind of record down in Ecuador or something. For the most people to ever watch an exhibition, maybe it was China, but because they were out for two months. You know, they, these guys talk a lot about how much they play and how much they overplay, and, but it doesn't stop them from going out there and making that bread, and I like it. Let's look at the women, dude. You know, this one here, I like women's tennis more now than I do men, um, and I guess it's because they seem to have less kind of cat fights, although... We did have an incident last year with a Yulia Putinetseva who flipped off the entire stadium crowd. And now she's back again, and she had another incident. 
So keep an eye on that. Maybe if you bet against her, she will crumble and leave the match early and you will win simply because she didn't. And Serena Williams is plus 425. She is the overwhelming favorite to win this event. And I'm not going anywhere near Serena. (laughs) Shall you tell us why? I will tell you why. Because I don't think that her commitment to fitness is where it needs to be. I don't think that she dominates people the way she used to. And more importantly, I don't think she intimidates these young ladies the way she used to. It used to be they were all scared of her. Remember Maria Sharapova? She would crumble like a cookie in the tunnel. I'm not talking about on the court. I'm talking about on the tu- in the tunnel. It would be over. Those days are long past. I love Serena. I think she's going to be the coolest grandma ever. I think her and her sister have done more for the sport of tennis, more for African-American women to uh, be respected in the workplace than anyone ever has. But she ain't winning this tournament. No, I, I could agree with that, you know. But I think she's going to be there, thereabouts, towards the end of the tournament. Probably. She's already won a tournament this year, right? She won one of these uh, warm-up ones in uh, New Zealand or something like that. Yes, she did. Yep, she did. But look who she. But but look again. This is something that if you're going to be wagering on this event, especially on the women's side, because I mean we could go, we could spend the next four hours talking about this draw or who we think is could win, and still not get the right name because there's so many opportunities for these ladies and they seem to drop like flies quickly. But pay attention to who she played. You know, I, I get it. But who did she beat? Find out. Do a little research. Don't wait for someone to hand it to you. Do your research. That's what I say. Yeah, to be honest with the women's stuff, and you and I know this from years of experience of betting on this stuff, uh, you can do as much research as you want. You still won't come up with the name who's going to win this because it could be, you know, one of about 20 or 30 different girls uh, exactly. comes out of that pack. I think we have a good list here with Serena, and we, we don't have her now. But you know who is interesting, to me anyway, Naomi Osaka at plus 700. I think that's very interesting. But she's someone who's won a couple events, a couple Grand Slams, including her first one with Serena, and Serena pulled her stun at the U.S. Open. But does Naomi Osaka win this event? Because I don't think she does either. Because I think she's a bit fragile. And I think that fragility is going to be her downfall in tennis. I mean, everybody might like it. And they might say, oh, she's showing her human side. But human beings don't win Grand Slams. Freaks do. And I'm not so sure that she still has that. No, I think I saw the other day on Twitter that she was uh, looking to uh, hook up with Daniel Medvedev. Um, that that seemed to be getting set up by one of the journalists or something. So she's probably got you know stuff going on and off the court now. Right, right, um, right. You know, that's that's you know, the other thing. Yeah, yeah. You know how the ladies are though. You know, once you you get up there in the rankings, you get more things happening off the court. They want you to do uh, sign-ins and calendars and photo shoots right. and. Uh, you know, brand ambassadors for all the, the hair products and uh, beauty products. And, uh, uh, you know, if you get really good, you, it, it then becomes like the watches and the cars and all this sort of stuff. So once you get up there and you've won a few slams, all that stuff kind of catches up with you because you're not putting in as much mileage in the gym or on the practice courts. You're suddenly, you know, you're the superstar. you got to go to all these sort of signings and stuff and spend your time doing that and you get run down a lot quicker. Uh, and a lot of these girls, they don't know how to handle it. And the agents for these girls don't know how to handle it either because they're quick to say yes to the money, forgetting that these girls have got to play tennis to, uh, you know, to keep themselves up there. And a, a girl like Osaka at 22, when, when you've got to go to all these things uh, and you're, you're already seeing like a year on from the two years on from the success that she had, that uh, she's struggling with the pace of life, you know, the, the other things that come with being successful in tennis that our agents no doubt signing her up for because they want to get a cut of the cash that she's making. Um, it's, it's difficult to keep both those lives going. There's, there's definitely a lot more goes on 
on the the off the court side of things on the women's tour than there is on the men's side of things. Oh yeah, plus you know they also deal with issues that men don't deal with. You know, health issues. Uh, you know, they're just the, the difference in bodies. And, and I, I'm not a big. I like Osaka, but I don't really like her here. The one I like, this is the one I like. I like at plus eight hundred Ashley Barty to win at home. I think she's feeling a burden. You know, you can kind of tell. Watched her play the other day, and she looks like she's feeling a burden. She wants to win so bad for her country people, for her country people, that it's not and her fellow countrymen. I, I didn't know if I could say countrymen anymore. I guess I can. I can say whatever the f- I want. Who's going to hurt me? Anyway, I like Barty at plus eight hundred. If she can get through the first couple rounds quickly, watch out. Yeah, she had a hot streak last year, didn't she? Where she yep. uh, really went. She was on fire for several months, and it, you know it was, it was actually a shock that she didn't win more slams last year. Uh, the way that she was playing, but uh, I, I'm going to shock you. I, I'm going to go favorite on an American. I think um, I'm going to go on Madison Keys. Are you? Yeah. What, I, well, I now like, I got. Now I got. I I, I am shocked. Um, but why? I, I just feel that like she's uh, she's been around for a while. She's always threatened to get there. It, it's not quite happened for her yet. Um, she lost actually uh, in three sets the other week to Pliskova. I think that yeah, might have been she in did. She did. I, I I know because I was the victim of that one. But uh, she had uh, she had some some real good matches in that tournament. She, she took out Kvitova, who's like, you know, she's one of those, the few women Kvitova who's kind of stuck around at the top end of the tour for such a long time. And, you know, that's, that's impressive because a lot of these girls hit the top and they just disappear. Right. Uh, Kvitova's one that's, that's really stayed there. And I, I just feel with Keys that the, the time's coming, you know. She's 24. Um, she, she's hitting that period where she's got the experience, and she's also got the ability to get there, and I, I think it's just going to be one of those, can she get it over the line? I don't think she'll do it at the US Open because, you know, the pressures of the home crowd and stuff, but I, I like her on the hard court, and, and this is the other place where they play hard court Grand Slam, and I just feel that, like, it, it could really all come together for her here over the space of the next two weeks, and if she gets herself into the last four, I, I could just see her having enough of that experience to, to just take it over the line this time. And I, I really, really like the look of Madison Keys, and I think there's probably going to be a good price on her as well. Yeah, plus 2000 That's not bad. You know who's going to have a, a, a terrible price? Coco Goff. I'm not going anywhere near that kid. I'm sorry. I like her. I hope she wins. But I, I, I'd rather take Madison Keys than I would rather than take Coco Goff. I mean, what's going to happen with this kid? She She's taken the tennis world by storm. But does she have the experience to win down under? Uh, not for me, no. I mean, she's still only 15. Um, right. I don't, I, I don't want to, like, say that that's a, a massively disadvantage for her. You know, when she burst on the scene, she had the same thing a lot of girls have when they come on the tour and um, – it's element of surprise, you know, you don't really know what she's going to do. Most people haven't seen the, the tapes of her, so they, they, they don't really know what her favorite shots are, what the shot patterns are. She comes out there and she's hitting shots, and a lot of girls are kind of having to be a bit reactive to it. They're not really sure uh, how to deal with her, but she's been on the tour now since Wimbledon. She's played a few events. She, uh, I think she was playing an event in the run-up to this as well because there was mm-hmm. a little uh, little video clip of her. Um and her father, um, a little bit of coaching on the side of the court. And, right. Um, I, I just don't think, like, I think, like, in future, yeah, you know, this is definitely going to be some, you know, five years' time, there might be something there. Um, but at the minute, like, I think the girls are starting to feel it out. They're starting to figure out her game. Um, and there's too many girls with just a little bit too much experience, you know. You just... I think she's I think she's mid sixties in the rankings. I mean, you go down the, the the women's rankings, you just look at some of the girls that have been there for a number of years. You know, girls like Elise Cornette, uh, Venus Williams. You know, she's been there a few years. Right. Um, Kuznetsova, Suarez Navarro, uh, Azarenka. You know, there's just a lot of top players in there, 
and you, you just go all the way down the list. There's just so many. You know, you've got the um, uh, players like Zhang, Gorges, right? Um, so much experience, just so so much experience. But I'm, I'm going to give you a name of a former winner, okay? Um, of the Australian Open, and it will be her last appearance at the Australian Open. Caroline Wozniacki. What do you think? Oh, come on now, the pusher. Remember? Hey, do you remember when we uh, spent like the better part of an entire summer? questioning why she was number one because she hadn't won a major and she kept losing in finals and she broke up with that golfer and all these other things. Do you really think, you really think that she's going to win this tournament? No, I think this is like, uh, you know, I think she got married and uh, she did, she, yes. she's, she's got all her plans away from court. She's just, I think she's 30 this year so clearly decided early retirement you know she won her, her major here and in fact to be honest it was a shock to me she won a major here um, <laughs> or anywhere or, or anywhere yeah um, but uh, uh, this is going to be the sort of um, exit tournament for her so there'll be a big focus on her um, not not too sure where um, where she fits into the draw you know she might win a couple of rounds and go out uh, in a night game or something like that. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's going to be any value in betting on her, but, hey, you never know. You never know. And, and that's the thing. Before we leave, I want to make sure to reiterate something again. Be wise in this event. You Not everything is as it appears. Um, these players, some of them could be hurt and only there to pick up a couple bucks and to probably protect their ranking a bit. Others are uh, disinterested, and that's on both sides of the draw. Some are uh, starting relationships with, because these tournaments is where the guys and the girls play together, and you know, and I know, and everybody knows when that happens, things happen. And sometimes you can get distracted. So you got to be paying attention, you know, really paying attention. And if you do, bet wisely. Use money management. Bankroll management is the most important thing that you could possibly do. Never more than 10% of your bankroll on any one match, especially in tennis. Craig, you got anything else to add before we say goodbye to these nice people? No, I think you've summed it up quite nicely there. I'll be looking forward to hearing from you early next week on your early round successes. Oh, right, because you will. Because you know it's it'll be time to cash with Flash. For Craig Doyle, I'm Phil Naces. We want to thank you for listening to This Week in Tennis. This Week in Tennis.